Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining Law Matters. We haven't heard from him in a while, but we do have Hal back. And we want to talk a little bit about Ukraine before we jump into the show. Hal, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me, Sherry? Absolutely. Tell us what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Well, this this last week and a half has probably been the biggest shift we've ever seen. Uh, Ukraine is on the offensive. They they preceded it, as you may recall, for months. They were predicting this big counteroffensive, but they all they kept referencing the south in uh, what's called Kyrgyzstan Oblast, which is that area right over Crimea, and they kept advertising and advertising. And Russia started shifting forces to the south and everything else. And then when they kicked off. Uh, there looked like the counteroffensive was in the south, and the supporting attack was in the northeast, in uh, near Kharkiv, the uh, one of the you know second largest city up there, up in the northeast. And it turns out Kharkiv Oblast, that province up there, was the main effort, and Kyrgyzstan was the supporting attack. And brilliant strategic deception, uh, absolutely uh, amazing maneuver on the battlefield, and they have pretty much liberated. Uh, that whole Kharkiv uh, province, Oblast, uh, there's reports that they're in northern Luhansk province, which, as you recall, that's one of the two separatist areas that Russia recognized as part of, you know, as Russian republics. And they're fighting fiercely in Donetsk province. And there's a possibility that over the coming weeks, we may see some serious inroads in those two republics, which is pretty much their stated goal. The other thing we're seeing, too, is that uh, uh, Russians are, are basically, uh, Russian troops, I should say, are surrendering in mass it, when they're not fleeing. And there's just been uh, thousands of Russian troops uh, taken prisoner to the point where they're trying to figure out where to keep them all. Uh, they've been taking over immense amounts of Russian ordnance that was abandoned on the battlefield. A uh, little tongue-in-cheek tweet went out yesterday from the Ukrainian saying, um, that because they're, you know, the Russians are torturers and murderers and, and rapists, that they're going to return all that ordinance. Of course, we know how they were going to return that ordinance. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, that was kind of the, the little joke they had. But they, it's very serious. I mean, they have, they have really restocked uh, a lot of stuff. So uh, they're very smart. They, they took out the supply chain. The troops on the front line were, were low on ammo, low on food. It appears that their rather poor officer corps uh, has has fled, leaving troops up front. And, of course, the troops look around and say, we're not sticking around, so they're fleeing. So uh, we're seeing collapse of Russian lines. Uh, they're trying to create another defensive line uh, somewhere around Luhansk province, but it's questionable how long that line will, will last. I heard that they're asking Putin to resign. Is there any truth to that? Uh, yes. 
there, there's a uh, groundswell in Russia. Uh, what we would call provincial deputies have been sending letters. That's a kind of dangerous thing to do, by the way, in Russia, yeah. is sending a letter uh, calling for, res- for his resignation. Uh, there's actually been uh, a few deputies who have actually said he should be, tr- he should be brought up for, for treason. Yeah, um, we know uh, that story. Ar- well, they all got arrested, but um, but yeah, and and then of course he goes down to Uzbekistan with this big uh, show where he's got you know Xi from China there, he's got Modi from India there, and it's supposed to be his big showcase. You know, one of the few times he's left Russia proper, and uh, a couple things happen. Number one is he had to start off the discussion with Xi by publicly saying that he understands China's concerns about what Russia's doing in the Ukraine, uh, which that's a tremendous loss of face, if you will, for, for, for Putin. Yeah. And then he had to do the same thing right afterwards with Modi from India, saying essentially the same thing. And what's really interesting is that Xi, the, the premier, you know, the, the head of China, had to step in, stepped in and said something that he didn't have to say, which is, basically saying that that China essentially values the sovereignty of Uzbekistan. And and what's key in that is the same logic that that Putin uses to take over Ukraine, that he's threatened to, you know, do the same thing in the Baltic states, that same logic also applies to those Central Europe Central Asian countries that are ostensibly his allies. And what Xi was saying is in so many words, they are not going to tolerate this expansionist uh, Russian aims in Central Asia. And I, and I thought that was rather rather an interesting statement. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. He's, yeah. He sounds like he's out on a limb. He is. And then, of course, they go in there and they find in Izium and other locations uh, evidence of, of greater war crimes, which makes him a bigger pariah and makes Russia a bigger pariah on the international stage. So do you think he's actually going to resign, or are they going to have to drag him out kicking and screaming? What's going to happen with him? I don't know, but there's a report that's been out there that says that there was an attempt on his life, that there was an ambush, a vehicular ambush that he escaped from. Uh, Again, I'm waiting for better verification of that, but it looks fairly credible that there may have been an attempted assassination or kidnapping, probably an assassination uh, on his motorcade, and he survived that. Well, uh, if, if at first you don't succeed, well, try, try, try again. Ha- <laughs> yeah, if you're seeing it once, uh, that tells me that there's probably, you know, plan B, plan C, plan D yeah. in terms of trying to do the same thing. And it forces him into either uh, hunkering down and, and, and getting off the public stage, which is which hurts him a lot, Um uh, or getting on the public stage and risking, you know, potentially one of those plans working. Yeah. So he, he's in a rough spot. Well, which is not, not bad from our perspective. But, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only the only the only cautionary fear on this is, as their conventional forces are literally falling apart on the battlefield, he started referencing unconventional forces, and some of his mouthpieces in Russian Russian media have also been talking about. They need to firm up their plans for attacking NATO with nuclear weapons. And you may have seen where uh, um, uh, President Biden uh, was asked that question about that and basically said, he said, what would be your answer? He says, don't, don't, 
you know, don't do it. Yeah. And uh, um, so that's a big concern is that he would get, and I think all the European allies are concerned that as, as he is pushed into a corner and he sees no way out, he might consider unconventional weapons, whether it's tactical nukes or chemical weapons as, as something. And once that happens, then kind of, I'm not saying all bets are off, but it really changes the entire conflict and, and NATO becomes committed in ways that it's not committed now. Yeah, I think all bets would be off. He would be, <laughs> you said a long time ago when all this started, you said he might want to go out with a bang. He may, he may. Yeah, that's um, scary. You know, interestingly, you know, all these people who seem to be having these amazing accidental deaths, like <laughs> uh, there was a, uh, you know, they, they, they really, they got inner ear problems because they seem to be losing their balance anytime they get near uh, a window on a high story building. <laughs> But uh, another guy fell out of the back of a boat in Vladivostok and drowned. Another guy uh, suffocated. Um, another pillow and, guy. Uh, yeah, another pillow guy. And uh, uh, I, I, I have to tell you, when I look at the, the lineup of people who seem to be disappearing, it seems to mirror those that I might expect could be, um, could be looking at this and saying, we need to get rid of Putin. Yeah, and uh, and I'm I'm sure they picked up on that, and he he basically went in there and did a quick interdiction to get them out of the way. Wow! So crazy. Yeah. Well, it I'm, is. I'm glad you're back. Well, well, thanks, Sherry. Glad to be back. I was over in South Asia, and I got to uh, observe the the Queen's passing from a Commonwealth country. I was over in Sri Lanka, so uh, it was it was rather interesting to see it from that perspective. Very cool. Well, thanks for calling in and bringing us up to date. We missed you. Well, thanks, Sherry. Thanks for having me on. Okay. You have a good weekend, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. We've got a brand-new website. If you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. And if it comes up and it's red, hit your refresh button. It'll turn blue, and you'll see all the great things that are on there. And if you support law enforcement like we do, we could use your support. Please consider sponsoring our show and educational events and check out the new website at lawmatters1030.org. And don't forget to nominate your favorite veteran for a day of recognition. An amazing gift basket we're going to show for him or her in the parade, and they'll have an appearance on the radio show. And the details for that are also on our website on the contest page. And if any company wants to be included in this gift basket, send me an email and let's figure something out because we want to really brag about our our veterans. They're awesome people and we wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. So in the studio, we have the Director of Field Operations of U.S. Customs and Border Protection and Guadalupe Ramirez. And I want to hear every, you haven't been here in a while. I haven't. So I, we've got a lot of catching up to we do. We definitely do. I was just, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Sherry, not just for having me on the show today, but for everything you do and everything the station does. Uh, I think it's amazing, uh, and I really thank appreciate you. your support for all of law enforcement. Thank you. I appreciate you. So what's been going on that we need to know about? Well, uh, it's just been, you know, uh, just a crazy time. I'm, I'm, I was talking to some of my colleagues and, uh, you know, I've been at this game 37 years. And, you know, when you, when you think about the last couple of years with, uh, with COVID and with the different types of narcotics that we're intercepting at the ports of entry, 
uh, you know, the the impact that COVID had on the economy, um, because as you know, you know, we operate the ports of entry, uh, whether it's a land border port of entry, northern border, southern border, or our airports or seaports. Uh, so, you know, when when you want to know how your economy is doing, take a look at your ports of entry. You know, if your ports of entry are healthy, your economy is healthy. Uh, and, and as you know, COVID really hit our operations. Uh, there was restrictions on travel. Uh, so that was, uh, that was something. And then on top of that, you know, you have these new synthetic opioids that we're intercepting, uh, as, as we process, you know, cause as I told you the last time, we're, we're a very unique agency. We don't respond to a crime. You know, we're processing people. We're processing all the commercial merchandise that enters the commerce of the United States comes through, comes through us. Um, and as we're doing that, we're keeping bad people and bad things out. Uh, and these new uh, synthetic drugs, especially fentanyl, uh, really made a difference because uh, um, just the danger, first of all, for our officers, you know, it, when it's in powder form, uh, you have to be very careful, uh, you know, that it doesn't get on your skin. And, <clears throat> and it takes a little time. <clears throat> Excuse me. It takes a little time for it to affect you, but, uh, but it's fa- fairly quick. So, uh, so before, you know, when I was, uh, uh, back in the day when I was on the line and we would find a compartment, we would just rip it apart and, and, and what we were catching back then more than anything was marijuana. Right. Uh, I mean, if you caught some cocaine or heroin, boy, you were, you were a Superman for, you know, until somebody else caught something a little bit bigger. <laughs> um, but today, uh, you know, it's, it's primarily, I mean, for us at the ports of entry, I can't remember the last significant marijuana seizure. It's it's primarily fentanyl, methamphetamine, coke has come up. You know, you always catch some heroin, but it's those hard narcotics. And then, like I said, fentanyl being so dangerous that you have to be very careful when you dismantle those compartments. You have to wear protective uh, equipment. Uh, we ha- actually have uh, a laboratory now. We have two scientists that work for us as part because uh, in our agency we have we have labs. Uh, they're primarily in in, um, in major locations like Houston or or uh, San Diego. But we have a satellite lab where we test the narcotics, uh, and that's that's located in Nogales, Arizona. Wow, I didn't know that. Is it new? New, it, new? It's fairly new. We've only had it. Uh, we've had it. Uh, we we had a a little mobile unit there for a right. while and we kept them busy enough that they agreed with us that we should have a permanent uh, satellite office there so the satellite office has been up and running for about a, close to a year now uh, and we it's not only just our narcotics but we'll test narcotics for some of our sister agencies as well uh, before we'd have to send those narcotics either drive them down to san diego or send them to houston uh, now we get really quick turnaround from these scientists that we have working for us in Ogales. San Diego, I'll drive it for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> See the little ocean. Mm-hmm. So on the news, they had all these different color pills. Are you seeing those come across the border? Actually, those uh, have been intercepted at the port of Nogales, and I'm not sure if anybody else has seen them like we're seeing them, but, and it's recent. It's within this last month uh, that, you know, where before... The, primarily what we were catching in in pill form, the fentanyl we were catching in pill form was a blue kind of a diagonal looking, like a, like a, a diamond shape yeah. uh, to look like oxycodone. Uh, and uh, that's primarily the what we were catching as far as pill form. And then all of a sudden, uh, in this last month, I think we've had five seizures of this multicolored, so it's more of a round little pill, and it, it is. It's, it's, it, you know, when you first look at it, it, it looks like little candy. Uh, it's, it's, Was that their intent when they did that? Uh, you know, that's, that's what DEA is, is, uh, is saying, that they're thinking that it's to, to kind of attract, uh, attract younger, younger users. But, uh, 
Uh, who knows? You know, the, the the cartels. It's it's a money making venture for them. Uh, you know, it's really stupid though because you're you're fixing this deadly chemical in these pills, pretending it's candy. Now you're killing off the people that are buying it from you. Yeah, and 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 we've we've talked about that. You know, because I'm, I'm sure that's not their intent. But at the end of the day, I don't think they really care either. I think you know, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, there's such a demand in our country, and I think that's really the saddest thing is that there's such a demand for these narcotics. Uh, and for them, it's it's a business, right? So it's it's supply and demand, and uh, and they're just trying to move it through us, and we're trying to intercept as much as we can. These people that um, I don't know if this is your bailiwick or not. These people that are being bused to the East Coast, do they come through the port of entry, or are they people that come through illegally? Do you know? I think it could be. Uh, Combination. I think it'd be a, a combination, right? Because either agency, either the you know those of us in blue at, at the ports of entry, or or border patrol, who are who are the the men and women in green, uh, we we can do the initial processing, uh, and then once we finish with them, you know, we're we depending on the circumstances or, or the group, you know, we're either handing them off to uh, to ERO uh, or tell them what ERO e- ERO is is. is uh, um, uh, Enforcement removal. Uh, it used to be it used to be detention removal. Now it's enforcement removal, uh, which is part of uh, ICE ERO. They're the ones that'll that'll detain people for us, or they will work with uh, Health and Human Services to find housing you know, space for them if it's a family or if it's an unaccompanied child. Um, so we work with with ERO, or we work with the non government organizations. So a lot of organizations that that you know that will take these folks in. So we, we do the initial processing and then, you know, uh, we, we hand them off. And when, once we hand them off, um, then again, they can, they can either, the, the non-government organizations can help them find their way to wherever their final destination is or, uh, as in, 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 uh, is happening with some of those, uh, buses going to other parts of the country, a, a governor can decide that they want to, uh, help transport them. Uh, but that's, that's beyond us, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that, um, uh, like, as an agency, we're very apolitical. You know, right. we we do what we're asked to do, and uh, and like I said, I've been in a long time, so I actually, you know, the first president that I worked for when I started working was Ronald Reagan, and I've worked for every president since then, and uh, you know, we do what we're asked to do. Whoever the commander in chief is, whatever they want, that's what we will do. Um, and and so again, that happens once they leave our facility. And I'm not sure how it's decided, what the criteria is uh, once they leave us. Yeah, I'd be interested in knowing how many of these people, because they set a court date. You have to come back and go to court to, you know, be processed. How many of them actually come back for that court date? It's just... Yeah, I've always seen that it's a very low percentage, but it depends who you ask. And I I guess, you know, depending on, on, on... what they're what they're counting as reporting to a court date, but I've always seen that it's a a very low percentage of people that actually come back. But again, it depends. I guess it depends on the circumstances and and where you sit. When the border was closed, how did that affect your job? Uh, you know, it uh, it was very challenging, um, more so for our stakeholders actually than for us. You know, uh, uh, because. As I said, you know, we, you know, our our economy is based on global trade and travel. Right. So everything we do affects American jobs. Every person that comes through that's coming, you know, to shop in Arizona or vacation or conduct business, all the merchandise. I mean, we 
We process, you know, billions of dollars worth of cars and car parts. We process billions of dollars in produce through through the ports of entry. And that's not just staying in our area. That's going throughout the United States. Uh, and you have small towns where, where our ports are, even towns like Nogales, Arizona. You know, 70% of their city budget is based on tax revenues that they collect. So when those shoppers can't come across, it really puts a burden on, on the cities and the counties uh, and the state. So, uh, you know, so we, we do everything we can to really facilitate that movement of, of legitimate travelers and, and trade. Now, the one thing that helped was that on the, on the commercial side of the house, the trade side of the house, uh, we, we didn't see as much of a decrease as we did on the pedestrian and passenger side because the restrictions were for the, the, the travelers. Um, so we, we kind of uh, really f- moved some resources. If, if we didn't have as many pedestrians or passengers coming through, we really beefed up our cargo facility and kept that merchandise moving. So when you have the resources, let's say the border is closed, the people that aren't working on the border, do they still have the, those um, checkpoints? Well, the checkpoints are manned by Border Patrol, but you know, you know, we actually did send some people to help Border Patrol at the checkpoints. I've seen them, yeah. Yeah, we, we sent some people in blue to, you know, so some folks traveling would see a, a blue uniform instead of a green uniform because we sent people to help so Border Patrol could free up the re- their resources and put them out in the West Desert. Uh, so we did that for a while until... Put them our, out in the West Desert sounds like a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's where their job is. That's the difference in our jobs. I mean, their job is to be out there in that terrain uh, and, and, you know, and, and our job is to be at the port of entry. So it, it's a, it's a different job, different challenges, different um, training, and different training exactly. So you know, I can't send an officer out to go patrol between the ports of entry, and it wouldn't do them any good to send somebody in green to go process cargo. Right. Uh, so, but we could, you know, because the the, the processes are similar at the checkpoint. Uh, it's just, you know, we work under different authorities, so it took, you know, we gave the officers going there additional training, uh, uh, and 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 we put them out there to help border patrol. Uh, but once our traffic picked up, we had to send them back to the ports of entry. Uh, because again, even though traffic slows down in one area, we still have different processing. So we have, uh, admissibility processing for these people coming in, you know, claiming asylum. Uh, plus sometimes we have to transport them and stuff. That's resource intensive. We still maintain our enforcement posture. So we still have our, our enforcement officers, our canine officers, our, our, uh, uh, x-ray operators, uh, so that we can try and examine as many uh, of these travelers, vehicles, or shipments that we consider high risk as possible, because that's really the challenge. Is that you know um, you can't you can't examine everybody because it's we do six million vehicles a year through the ports of Arizona. Yeah, if you you'd still to, be down there. Yeah, they still be backed <laughs> up to Hermosillo. So, so, uh, so it, it's a matter of targeting and and selecting your highest risk uh, and. Uh, but even even if they're not selected when they first come through the primary officer, as, as I said, we have layered enforcement, and so we get a second or third bite of the apple as they go through that little gauntlet. You know, we can still select them. Our enforcement officers, even if they've been released from primary, can select them as they pass by them and bring them in and search them or put them through an X-ray or run the dog on them. Okay, when you say X-ray, are you X-raying the vehicle or are you X-raying the people? We have low-energy X-rays now where we just run the car through the X-ray with the driver in it. Uh, and the passengers, you know, so there's times that, that people will opt out. And then that's the case. One of our officers will drive the car through the x-ray. Um, but most people will just drive through the x-ray. Uh, it's okay, because like if you're pregnant, you don't want to get x-rayed. Correct. You or, can opt out. You can say, you know what? I don't want to get x-rayed. A pacemaker would 
would that make a difference? Mm, no. Not so and, much? I mean, and these are so low energy, you'd have to run through them a couple hundred times to get the same effect as a chest x-ray from your doctor. Wow. So, so okay. that, you know, when we first set them up, though, some people were leery and like, I'm not going through it. So we would have an office to drive it through. Uh, as people got, uh, you know, learned more about them and felt more comfortable, it's, it's, a, it's a way for, to get examined because your options were in the past. Uh, you park your car uh, in secondary you get out, we take you into a little area, a, a, a secure detention area, and you wait there until one of our officers gets to the car uh, or maybe one of our canine officers gets to the car, and, and it would you'd be there for a while. Uh, your options now, you can drive through this x-ray, and if there's nothing of interest in your car, you're going to go right down the road. So it doesn't waste your time, and it helps us focus on the cars that we really want to look at instead of just every car that comes into secondary. So the people that are waiting for their car to be x-rayed or, you know, looked at, can they see what's happening with their car? Uh, it depends on the facility, but most of our facilities, no. Uh, we, we search so if the, they we, come out and their car is all in pieces laying all over the place? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, like I said, and that's where the x-rays really come in to help. Because, for instance, if you, if you bring a car through on the x-ray, uh, what the officer is looking for, they're looking for anomaly, something that doesn't normally, you know, uh, belong in that fit. car, right? Yeah. So if there's an area where they say, well, I'm not sure what that is, they send that that car into secondary and they tell the officer, check the rear quarter panel on the on the passenger side. There's something there I couldn't make out. And it might wind up being a, a, a nice chest with food in it or something. Or it could, you know, and then once the officer verifies that, then the people are free to go. Um, if, you know, if there is something that, you know, before we start dismantling a car, we pretty much know there's something there. Uh, if for some reason we do um, take something off and it doesn't quite go on right, then we will we will pay to have that uh, fixed correctly. Uh, we, we'll, we'll give the individual, say, you know, just go and, and, uh, and we'll get you a tort, what's called a tort claim, uh, where you, we pay for that repair. But it's, it's, it's really rare because, like I said, I mean, you know, you, you look at the number of seizures that we that we make at those ports of entry. Uh, you look at the equipment that we have, not just to to identify and find that narcotics, but to dismantle. We have we have vehicle lifts, we have tools, we have everything you can imagine to dismantle that car. And and uh, but we have you know we also have um, we have devices uh, where we can probe uh, with a camera and actually see what we have uh, before we start tearing a car apart. We don't just tear a car apart because we think there's something there and here's your puzzle <laughs> yeah 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 no we don't we don't do that okay we're going to take a quick break we'll be back in a few Saving lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com. 
Hi, this is Rich Tracy. The Law Matters Live weekly radio show was created to give law enforcement a voice rather than a soundbite. In doing so, we also give our listeners a voice with federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies across the country, the legal community, government officials, and our military. You will hear truthful, up-to-date information valuable to you and your family while contributing to and encouraging safer communities. If you live in the area of 2500 East Menor and have security camera footage from November 30th, 2021, between 10 p.m. and 12 a.m., you might have information needed to solve a murder. Use 88 Crime to upload your videos and stay anonymous. Si usted vive en la área de 2500 Este de la Menor, y tienes cámaras de seguridad del 30 de noviembre de 2021, entre las 10 de la tarde y 12 de la mañana, es posible que tengas información necesario para resolver un homicidio. Visita la página 88crime.org para subir sus videos y permanecer anónimo. Every Saturday morning at 8, Law Matters brings you law enforcement. On our next show, we talk with TPD Officer Crawford on school threats, what parents and teachers should know. Hi, this is Sherry, reminding you to nominate your favorite veteran for a fabulous gift basket, chauffeured in the Veterans Day Parade, and honored on our November 12th show. All the contest details on our lawmatters1030.org website. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Okay, we're here with uh, Director of Field Operations of Customs and Border Protection, Guadalupe Ramirez, and I thank you for being here. Explaining some of this stuff, you know, we're talking about the port of entry. I heard on the news, and it was just this last week, somebody said that these people that are coming over the wall and under the wall and through the wall are not bringing the drugs. It's all happening at the port of entry. Well, I, I think um, it's it's a couple of different things, right? Because you have drug trafficking organizations, and some of them are also involved in alien smuggling. Uh, and then you have some that primarily focus on alien smuggling, and so, but it's two different commodities. You know, they're they're they charge people to get them to the border so that they can uh, make their application for asylum, uh, and so depending on what they're focused on. But I, but I will tell you that you know, so far in Arizona this year, uh, along the border, whether you're talking about the ports of entry or what Border Patrol has seen. Uh, we've intercepted over 21,000 pounds of, of hard narcotics. I'm, you know, uh, I think Border Patrol probably still catches marijuana out there, but just the hard narcotics, 21,000 pounds. Of that, 18,000 pounds of that has been intercepted at the ports of entry. Oh. And I think that, that that's partly because, uh, again, 6 million cars coming across in a year. You know, between the pedestrian and the car passenger, 16 million people. Uh, and 450,000 commercial trucks. So the drug traffickers see that as an opportunity to get their product not just past law enforcement, but to take it in in a compartment, in a vehicle, all the way to final destination. If they bring it through the border, they still got to take it somewhere and put it in a vehicle. And that gives other law enforcement agencies opportunities to get eyes on it. And and so that they'll they'll play the numbers game. You know, they may lose some some of their of their shipments, but there's so much money to be made, you know, you can have smaller quantities. Uh, and make bigger profit with these opioids that you could, ever could with marijuana. So if you, if you can find uh, a concealment method, deep concealment in a vehicle, and that's why our canines and our extras are so important, because uh, I would challenge any of the listeners, I mean, if you were thinking, I could get something by them, you know, and, you, and, and you're a mechanic, you know your cars, and you think, I would put it right here, and they'd never find it. I guarantee you we have found it. 
Uh, if you look at our, you know, if I were to make a pie chart of all the different compartments that are used, uh, every slice would be about the same size. There's no one compartment that say, well, the majority are coming in the gas tanks or the majority are coming in the rocker panels or the quarter panels or false floors or in the dash or uh, in the drive shaft or, or on, on the wheels. Um, but I can I can tell you that anywhere you could you would imagine that you would try and put it, somebody has tried to put it there. Oh. And so I think that's why they primarily focus on the ports of entries, because if they're successful in getting it past us, then it's a straight shot down to final destination, whether it's to the uh, west or whether it's to the east and northeast, wherever they're going, wherever they're going. Do you have a situation? I, I had um, Chief Adam Thresheron a few weeks ago, and he was saying that there is a situation where people, they call them load cars, and they're just blasting, you know, 100 miles an hour through town. And do you have a situation where people are acting that way, coming through the border? Uh, we've always had, you know, what we call port runners, people that know they have something in the car. We send them to secondary. They're rolling like they're going to go to secondary. And the first chance they get, they they step on the gas to, to get a, away from us. And we also have them going southbound because, uh, as you know, we also conduct southbound inspections looking for weapons, ammunition, money. and money. <laughs> and so if they know, you know, if we select them and they, you know, we're telling them to, you know, pull overs, they will just punch it and try and get into Mexico. And, and so they'll wind up hitting another car that's in line to go in, either going or coming. Uh, so we've had these situations forever. Uh, and so we've set up, you know, where... Our, our our infrastructure, our facility makes it to where that we create little natural bottlenecks for them as they're getting out, and we'll put officers there with devices that'll that'll you know flatten the tires or what have you. Uh, and we're looking <laughs> we're looking at newer tire. technology because there, there are some you know there there is some some really nice devices now where you can just push a button and it'll pop up and stop a car uh, and stop it in a way where you know you can stop the car without really hurting the people in the car because that's right. that's the thing we look for. Uh, but again, that that takes uh, that takes time as you uh, redesign your ports of entry to to install those devices. So th- you've done that down in Nogales. In Nogales, we don't we don't have any of those devices installed yet. Uh, but we do have the officers there with the 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 ones the that we normally have like stop spikes, sticks and spikes. spikes. Yeah, we have those, and and those are effective. But it would just be a lot easier if you can just push a button and make and it you, happen. There's a device now called a Grab 300, and a lot of facilities have it. Uh, where it pops up, it almost looks like a heavy-duty tennis net, and it just catches the car, and it'll stop a truck doing 60 miles an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, so really nice devices that we're hoping to get for our ports of entry. Do they have those for people, too? You can pop it up and catch the people <laughs> in a net? Yeah, you know, well, as you know, when, we, when you're going into Mexico uh, through a lot of our ports of entry, we have turnstiles and stuff both right. coming and going. So for us, if somebody's running from us, we can lock turnstiles. So we do have that ability. Oh, wow. I didn't know you could do yeah, that. Yes, ma'am. How cool is that? Yeah. And whoever's stuck in the middle and that's locked. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you're, you're kind of screwed. Yep. We got hands on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All these multicolor, I want to get back to the multicolor pills because I think parents need to listen up. You know, if you see and it looks like candy, pick it up, look at it and make sure it's not illegal narcotics that could kill your kid correct yeah what do you what do you i've never seen one in person you have so what do you tell parents to look for you know i I think that that you know uh as of as a parent we know that the most important thing to us is our family especially our children uh and so it's just a matter of having that conversation you really need to start educating your kids and you can't 
you know, wait till they're any particular age. I mean, once they're school age, uh, you have to just let them know not to take anything from anybody. Even your best friend. Even your best friend. You, you, and, and, you know, if, do not take anything from anybody. And, you know, and if you have any questions, bring it to mom and dad and, and, and show them before you do anything. But that's really the thing because, like I said, so many of these pills, because uh, even, even teenagers, they think they're taking Oxy. And it turns out to be fentanyl, and 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 because of the way that they're made, you know, these these drug traffickers they they import these built pill presses from China to look like the legitimate drugs. They mix it in these clandestine labs. Uh, there is no quality control. So so one pill could have more than enough to kill you. Another pill may not have any because it, it's not like you know like a legitimate pharmacy. Yeah. So so when some of these you know teenagers you know think that they're taking oxy and it turns out to be a fentanyl pill with enough to kill you. Uh, it's just you have to start as young as possible, in my opinion, and, and, and have that conversation. Over and over again, not yeah, just once. And, 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 you know, and make sure that they understand that, that there is definitely a danger. Uh, and even the person giving it to you may not know what they're giving you. And they may, you know, uh, no harm intended, but it could wind up killing you. So it's, yeah, it's, it's such a dangerous time, uh, and, and that's what has me more concerned than ever, and that's why I don't understand uh, in our society why there's such a demand for this because we're, you know, we have so much information at our fingertips with, with these, you know, phones today and with, you know, I mean, uh, why there's still such a demand for something that could kill you is just amazing. Yeah, and people, there are so many resources out there to help people who are addicted, and it can happen to anybody. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of, but, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and fix it. Yeah. Find the resources that are going to help you get Ask off of it. Absolutely. Because you're playing Russian roulette yep. with, you know, taking these illegal drugs. You have no clue yeah. what's going on with that. Let's talk about counterfeit items that come through, like purses and shoes and stuff like that. What What do you... What do you do with all that stuff to begin with when you catch it? And how do you how do you know? Because I think you told me once that there's actually a training you go to. Uh, each trademark holder is more than willing to give our officers training on their products. So whether it's, you know, Nike or, or whether it's uh, Under Armour, Disney, uh, uh, Ray-Ban, whoever, you know, they, they, they are more than willing to send their experts to provide training. Uh, and so our officers are really good at, at identifying that. Uh, and a lot of it is uh, is more shipments going out of the country, you know, or or they're coming into the country through uh, express consignment. So you know, these days, what does that mean? So uh, like FedEx and uh, and uh, you know, sending bringing them in through companies like uh, you're, they're buying them online, and then they're sending sending them straight home, which makes it uh, very challenging for us as an oh, agency yeah. because before you, you know you would target a, a, a container coming on a vessel from Asia. And you and you you know open the container and it would be full of these of these products that are copyright or trademark violations. Well, now what those people are doing is they're just sending them directly to everybody's house. So it's not one big container; it's multiple shipments. They drop ship uh, it. And the ones that we're seeing on the border are the ones that are going into Mexico, uh, you know, to to be sold over there uh, because they come in through Long Beach and they're transshipped. And 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 sooner or later they'll just start shipping them directly to their seaports in Mexico. Uh, but it's it's all over, and it's a way also for organizations to uh, to make money for 
their illicit activities. So whether it's drug traffickers or whatever, uh, it's a way for them to make money. And it takes money away from the legitimate license holder. So, uh, you know, if you make a fake Nike, well, now Nike's not making If you make a fake Levi's, well, Levi's not making money. Uh, and that hurts the workers for those companies, especially if they're American companies. So, and, you know, there's, there's so many trademark copyrights um, that we really, you know, we rely on our import specialists, which is a, a group of, of uh, employees that are specialists on those commodities. So if, if, for instance, if you have an import specialist who is assigned to the uh, textile or wearing apparel or, or footwear, uh, then they know about those trademarks and copyrights. So when our officers intercept something and we have a question, we take it to one of them and they'll tell us, that, yeah, that's a legitimate product or it's not. And if you're shopping online and, and something that you really want, you know it should be $1,000 and they're selling it for 100 it's probably a fake. Yeah, if it's too good to be true, it's, <laughs> it's too good to be too true. Good to yeah, be exactly. True. And you have to be careful because it's not the same. You know, it may look like the product, but it's not going to be the same quality. Uh, and, and again, it's just, you know, you're, you're harming business. Okay, I want to talk about, we've got a new commissioner, and he doesn't think there's a crisis at the border. Some people think there is a crisis at the border. What say you? <laughs> That's a loaded question, Jay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the way I look at it is that is that um, you know we the new commissioner was a, was a police chief, you know, so he's law enforcement minded. Um, but I think it's I think it's a challenge, and and I, I've seen this no matter which commissioner steps in it, it. There's a big learning curve for us. It takes them a while to get up to speed on everything because. Um, you know, to go from operating as a as a police chief running a, a, a police department to now you're responsible for, in essence, three different agencies, right? So you have uh, Office of Field Operations, which is basically the U.S. Customs Service, uh, right. our customs uh, processes. Then you have, you know, Border Patrol and you have Air and Marine. So you're trying to get your head around what the three agencies do. And when you look at just our agency and you're looking at trade agreements, revenue collection, because... You know, last year as an agency, we processed $27 trillion in trade and collected $89 billion in revenue for the government. So so whenever there are sanctions or tariffs or whenever, uh, you know, anything like that comes up, you know, we, you know, whether it's the Bureau of Industry and, and, and Safety or whether it's, you know, U.S. Commerce Department or the Trade Representative, anytime something like that gets enacted, we are the ones that enforce that, right? So we're, you know, you're trying to get your head around global trade. At the same time, you're trying to get your head around, you know, passenger processing, you know, and, and all this. And you're also trying to, you know, focus on Border Patrol and Air Marine. I think it's, I think it's a lot. And I think that it takes time for someone to really, you know, get to where they're, they're running on all the eight cylinders. Uh, and then, you know, again, you listen to, to people who have different opinions on the border. Yeah. Uh, some people look at it one way, other people look at it another way. As, as I said earlier, you know, as an agency, that's why we're apolitical. We just, you know, we do what we're told. Uh, we do the best we can. Our, our focus is on keeping the American public safe. Right. We are the last defense, you know, the first and sometimes the last defense for American workers, American business and American industries. Uh, and we, even within that cargo facility of, of uh, trade enforcement, revenue collection, we have the agriculture part. And I, I, I saw somebody made a comment the other day because we, we were highlighting what the agriculture specialists got and they made a comment about it. Oh, great. You got all these drugs coming in, but here they are catching this, you know, whatever this was on agriculture. Oh, they have no idea. And, well, because it's not either <laughs> or. 
You know, it's both. We don't have officers doing the agriculture part. We have agriculture specialists. These are yeah. specialists. These are, these are people with science backgrounds that are inspecting these shipments. And what they don't understand is that, you know, there are some pests, uh, especially with global trade. They're not even from Mexico. They come in from Asia to Mexico and then through Mexico into the U.S. And, you know, when they said, I forgot what it was. I think we, we, we intercepted some plums or some, or, or some, I don't know. So it was, it was a fruit that was prohibited. Uh, but what they don't understand is that, that many of these plants are carriers. They will carry diseases or pests that have no natural predators in the U.S., that could wipe out an issue. You remember what fruit fly did to Florida and California right. back in the day. That's what we have to prevent. And it's not either or. We're not sacrificing drug enforcement for agriculture enforcement. We're, we do it all. Oh. We revenue collect. We enforce this. We enforce that. We, you know, we process people. And, and it's just, it's a lot. And like I said, some people will say, we'll look at it one way. Um, you know, and, and our job is just to do the best we can. Uh, so that we, you know, we're, we're coming out of a pandemic. We need to jumpstart the economy. The economy comes straight through us at the ports of entry. So we're doing everything we can to to get that economy going and at the same time keep our people safe. Well, I always say you need to consider the source when you're hearing information. And I was listening to this lady and I thought, you know what? I bet you don't even know what their job is at the no. border. You've never experienced what's going on. You know, Chicken Little running in circles, sky is falling. And yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. you know, what? what's the truth of the matter? And if people aren't, like, rushing the border <laughs> trying to get in, that's what she made it sound like. Yeah. You know, it's it's not necessarily, you have to be careful who you listen to. Yes. So that's why we bring you on, so you can tell us what's really happening. And I appreciate it, because it does. It gives me an opportunity to let you know. Uh, about the the amazing work that the, the the men and women at the ports of entry are doing every day, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. Uh, and it is, I mean, like I said, I've been at this game a long time, and and I don't remember, you know, times ever being as challenging as they are today because of COVID, because of you know the narcotics, because of everything that we have to deal with. And and our officers, you know, the, a lot of these men and women are, are are fairly well compared to me. They're young. They're very young, <laughs> uh, and it doesn't phase them. I mean, they you know they they just see it as hey, it's another day at work, and I go to work and I do I would do what I have to do. Uh, I can look at it differently because I can compare it to when I was their age, yeah. getting started, and I go, wow, it was a simpler time. You know, we obviously we were still catching bad guys and bad things, but uh, since I started, we've had like I said, nine eleven, and we've had. You know, COVID, and we've had you know these opioids and stuff. It's just a different world, yeah, and so and much. I and it's frustrating because the other thing that happens a lot is we'll do great work, and then some media outlets, including some of the top media outlets, will will give the credit to another agency. They'll say border patrol agents at the port of Nogales did this or that, and 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 again, not to take anything away from any other agency because their job is very different, very dangerous, and very important. But it would be, you know, I almost think to, I'd, I'd like to tell the people reporting, if you as a reporter, you know, broke this amazing the story of the century, and mm -hmm. then the credit was given to another reporter from another uh, TV news agency, media, yeah, yeah. you know, how would you feel about that? You know, yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and it's also important because a lot of times our own representatives and senators uh, don't know a lot about, you know, what we do at the ports of entry. And these are people who are on important committees and make important decisions, and they need to know who's doing this great work. It's not, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not just being selfish. Uh, no, really, no, you're not. And, it, you know, every time there's an election, they all run down to the border and get their picture taken against the wall. And then, you know, they, they know nothing. Yeah. But they had their picture taken. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't see them again or hear from them again until the next election. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful. You know, we do have some some uh, of our representatives and our senators, especially, you know, here in Arizona, who, who pay a lot of attention to the ports of entry. And then not just that, they will invite fellow congressmen and so to come down. We just had a visit of uh, Representative Lesko. Was, uh, she took a, uh, one representative from Georgia and another representative from, I believe, Minnesota. Uh, down to the port of entry, invited them, took them down, and gave them a chance to see the operations. And and again, that's why I think you know I think it's important for people to to get that opportunity so that we can show them everything we do there. And and you know not just how challenging it is, how important it is, but how well we do our job. Yeah, I I'll never forget. I was coming back from Mexico. And this happened a few years back. I was coming back. I was walking over the border, and. The agent was talking to me, but he was looking to his left. And he kept talking to me, not looking at me. He was looking to his left. All of a sudden, he sprinted off, grabbed two people. There were three people trying to make it over the running, the border. Grabbed two of them, and he came back. He gave them to somebody. And he came back and he said, well, two out of three isn't bad. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. And I just stood there in awe watching everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're doing your job. You've got eyes in the back of your head. Yeah, you have to. But I would have never, looking at those people, I would have never guessed mm-hmm. what he knew was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's officer intuition. And, you know, no matter how great we you know, our tools are, our x-rays and everything, it really starts with that officer. And and being able to develop that sixth that sixth sense that law enforcement officers develop it's like a police officer, border patrol agent, anybody else. You know, they develop that sixth sense, uh, and and they can tell when something's just not right. It's not right. It's this just is not, not right. normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you guys hiring? Uh, we are. You know, and unfortunately, the last uh, vacancy announcement didn't have all of our ports, uh, but it did have several Arizona ports. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd like to just keep that pipeline going to all our ports. Um, uh, but uh, we do. We are hiring usajobs.gov. Uh, go on there and take a look if you're interested. It's a, it's a great opportunity. And what we do is we hire folks from all over the place. They start with us on the border, um, and and they put a few years in for us, and then they, they get an opportunity. If, uh, if they're from, let's say they're from the Northeast and they want to go back home, uh, we have a program within within our agency called the the National Relocation Opportunity Bulletin, where you say, you know what, I'm willing to move myself back home, so I'm going to put my name on the list that I want to go work at that port of entry, and it's based on seniority. So the longer you've been on the border, the higher up you get on that list. Uh, so there's a, there's more than one way to get you know to where you finally want to get. And as I mentioned before, we also have uh, preclearance operations. Uh, you were mentioning about uh, Ireland. We actually have a preclearance location in Ireland where we clear um, passengers boarding a plane <clears throat> coming to the U.S. We they go through the U.S. customs processes uh, in that country at that airport. So when they land in the U.S., they no longer have to go through customs. They can just leave. They can just leave like a domestic yeah. flight. So That's we so smart. We have them throughout Canada, uh, Bermuda, Aruba, the Bahamas. Ireland, and we're working with other countries to set up preclearance locations in their countries. Uh, so uh, young people coming in have an opportunity to start on the border, uh, but then there's opportunities for them to go elsewhere. Okay, you say start on the border. Now, 
when they go to this application process, are they picking a green uniform or a blue uniform? It's a, you're, you're applying for the blue uniform. So you're applying for Office Customs. of Field Operations, right? So it's under Customs and Border Protection, Office of Field Operations, and it'll give you the opportunity to select um, a uh, – sometimes it gives you a, an opportunity to select the port itself. Other times it'll tell you it's within the Tucson area or it's within the El Paso area or the Laredo area. Um, but it, I haven't looked at it, uh, the last one, but you can go in there and say, I'd like to apply, you know, and they'll tell you where they have positions. Yeah, we have we have vacancies in Douglas, Arizona, and, and, and San Luis, Arizona, uh, and, and you can pick those uh, and then go work for us. The um, process itself, if they go online and say, I want to be a U.S. Customs person, is there any type of link or something that tells them what they have to qualify for, what the, the requirements are so that they can prepare for that? All of that is on that on that vacancy announcement, USA Jobs. It'll tell them about, you know, the medical, the physical, uh, the polygraph. And then once they come on, you know, the academy and all the things that are required. Do they uh, have to go on the lie box? They do. They See? do. They have, to, they have to take a polygraph. See? That's... Yeah. What can I say? Is it required to speak foreign language? No, it's not required. If you come on, you're going to work on the border and you don't speak Spanish, we'll actually put you through Spanish training. And then uh, and then uh, once you get on the border, you'll have a great opportunity to practice. To practice <laughs> daily. Because I remember when I was in high school, I, went and I was living in Mexico for a little while. When I came back, my Spanish wasn't exactly what my teacher appreciated, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I could speak the language, you Absolutely. know, conversation wise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she was a little horrified. <laughs> <laughs> and that always happens. You know, we always teach everybody all the bad words first. But, uh, exactly. <laughs> but I tell you, we have, we have some, uh, some monsters that never spoke Spanish before joining us. And, you know, you listen to them today and they are just fluent because, again, it's almost like emergent. I mean, you're, you know, you have no a choice. high percentage of the people that are coming through. I mean, you're speaking Spanish to them. So your Spanish gets really good, really fast. Does the Border Patrol... Um, in U.S. Customs, do they offer college credit for going through this and do they offer college con- credit for continuing ed after you're on the job? They do. For some of, some of the training that you take, depending on the on the college itself, the college will accept it or not. It just depends on, on the university or the college, uh, but many of the, of the uh, classes that we take. And then within, within our own age, if, if you, if you uh, Especially if you already have a degree, if you have a bachelor's, we provide opportunities through, you know, uh, other or other, uh, especially Department of Defense to get master's degrees. Okay, very cool. Okay, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We're out of time. We've got 20 <laughs> seconds left. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it, Sherry. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And I want to thank Hal and check out our new website. It's awesome. There's all kinds of new things to do on there, too. So... Shop local, stay safe. See you next week.